Welcome to the Nutrition-ish Podcast, the place for all things nutrition and mindfulness. We are passionate about guiding you to make peace with food and empower your body and brain. I'm one of your hosts, Allie Hobson. I'm an NTP, Nutritional Therapy Practitioner in San Diego. I work with individuals to assess personal nutritional deficiencies and imbalances by addressing the root cause of any health issue. In my private practice, I focus on women's hormones, gut health, and thyroid dysfunction. Let's meet my co-host. I'm Chelsea Gross, a certified transformational nutrition coach based in Los Angeles. I work one-on-one with women who are ready to break free from dieting, make peace with food, and create a life they love filled with energy, self-love, and freedom from rules and obsession. I'm also the creator of the ebook, Break Free from Disordered Eating. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is intended to be informative and entertaining and should not replace medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. We are so excited you're here. Let's get to the episode. You're listening to episode 76 of the Nutrition-ish podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm Chelsea, back with another solo episode today. I'm so excited. I got three really great questions from you guys when I asked you on my Instagram stories, what questions you had around breaking free from dieting and disordered eating, body image, mindset, your relationship with food and your body, all that good stuff that you guys know I just love talking about and I'm so passionate about talking about. And if you guys are pretty new to tuning into the show or new to maybe following me over on Instagram and you want to learn more about my story and why I am so passionate about sharing this information with you, I'm going to link two other soul episodes that I did on the show in the show notes. So the first episode that I did by myself, I talked all about binge eating. If you don't know, that's something that I struggled with for a really, really long time. And I was in this miserable cycle that I just saw no light from. And I did break free from that. And it's something that I help a lot of my clients break free from as well. So I talk on that show about the different types of restriction that I believe trigger binge eating. So I break those down um, in a lot of detail and I really just help you find kind of the answers and the peace and the way to really break free from binge eating so that you can, you know, really shed that that weight that it holds over you because I know just how frustrating um, it can feel to be stuck in that cycle. The next thing that I did a solo episode on was letting go of the idea that you have to get back to your smallest weight. So a lot of people are in this place where they you know, kind of had their quote unquote, maybe like glory days with, with their relationship with their body, where they feel like they lost a bunch of weight and that's when they were the happiest and most confident. And then we gain weight back and we spend, you know, countless years dieting and punishing ourselves, trying to get back to that place. So in that solo episode, I really help you find peace with your body now and give you kind of the mindset tools and the perspective to why maybe you don't want to go back there, which is actually something I'm going to break down a little bit more in one of the questions today as well, but just really helping you sort of make peace with weight gain and make peace with your body overall. So I'll definitely link those episodes in the show notes. If you guys want to learn more about me, I talk about everything that I went through with food in my body for almost a decade and all the trials and tribulations uh, of that for me as well. So definitely go back and listen to those. And before I jump into the questions today, I just kind of wanted to fill you guys in on what's been happening with me lately, because it's been a little while. I know I did an interview, Allie did an interview, and I feel like it's been a while just to kind of chat with you guys and tell you a little bit more about my life. 
I am, as of today, getting married in less than three weeks, and it's kind of crazy. I got engaged back in November of 2017, so finally, almost two years later, the day is upon us, and it's been super stressful, as many of you probably know if you're married and you've planned a wedding Gosh, there are so many little pieces of things that you have to get done on an endless, consistent basis. So Scott, who's my fiance and I, have certainly been super stressed, and it feels like every day is another list of to-dos, and because we have not gotten to the final day yet and, you know, we're not enjoying all this hard work, it sort of feels like I'm in limbo and... I don't even know that I feel that productive because it's just like doing all these things and not seeing that final outcome. But I know come that day, everything will be worth it and I'm getting really excited. I am, however, also dealing with some kind of downs in this exciting time that I've shared a little bit on Instagram if you follow me over there. Um, Basically, I am in this place in my life right now where I don't have a huge group of girlfriends. And honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. I truly do believe, just like with so many other things in our life, that it's about quality over quantity. And I would rather have a few really great, close girlfriends that I can sit down and talk with for hours instead of, you know, 20 or 30 surface level friends who don't really, you know, light me up or don't really fulfill me in that way. I am a Cancer. And if any of you guys are Cancer, the Zodiac sign born around mid-July, you may feel like me. I love a one-on-one relationship. I love deep conversations. Um, I love really connecting with someone on on, a deeper level. And basically over the years, I've just really realized that about myself. And I really am, you know, quite picky about the relationships that I put time and effort into. So that's kind of where I'm at, and I do feel peace with that. However, being that my wedding is coming up and, you know, we live in this land of comparison, I sometimes can't help but feel a little bit sad that I'm not going to be that girl who has, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten girlfriends behind her on her wedding day, whether that's getting ready in the morning or for the pictures with all my bridesmaids, um, even just to celebrate around those people at the reception. I just simply don't have that. In my wedding, it's going to be my sister and my best friend from growing up. Um, I've shared about this probably here and there, maybe on the show or over on Instagram, that I had a really close my best friend in college. Um, Her name was Andrea, and we were in the same sorority. And my sophomore year of college, we got so close. We literally were connected at the hip, like so many best friendships in college. And um, we actually were so close that our nicknames for each other were friendship. So we were totally, you know, obsessed with spending every minute together. And we just built this really solid bond. I had so much fun with her. She was this great friend. It was just kind of this friendship that I just loved having. And we were super close all through college. You know, I definitely thought this was going to be a girl who would be in my wedding and I would kind of grow old with and we'd have get married and have families around the same time. And, you know, I know that that's not realistic for every friendship in college, but obviously at this time I really thought that and I thought we had something really special. And uh, after college, I went through a really hard time. I've shared this probably also across my platforms. Um, I was in this really, really bad 
place. I was super depressed. I was just having a really hard time. And when you're going through something like that, you hope your best friends, you hope your friends and definitely your best friends are going to circle around you and lift you up and be there for you. And really what happened with Andrea was the opposite. She basically ended our friendship one day by text message. She just simply told me, you know, Chelsea, I think you're going through too much. You have too many issues and I just don't want to be friends with you anymore. And this happened now, let's see, this would have probably been 2008 or 2009. So over a decade ago and it still sticks with me. It still hurts probably hurts even more than breakups that I've had. Um, And basically at that point, I just, we pretty much just stopped talking. Um, At the time, like we didn't have Instagram or anything, but on Facebook, I remember we, I unfriended her so that I didn't have to see her and because it was just too painful. And unfortunately that really, that, what that, what happened from that relationship really scarred me and it put my guard up for new friendships over the years. And The other thing is like once I, you know, was out here in LA, I was pursuing acting. So I had acting friends. I was working retail jobs. I worked at Lululemon. I worked at Anthropology. I worked at a restaurant. And within all those places, I definitely have my groups of friends. But you guys kind of know when you have work friends, they're pretty much just work friends. A few of them, you know, you may develop closer relationships with, but a lot of the time that's just, you know, it's just kind of like you commiserate about work and you talk about work and you talk about the people at work. And so I definitely had my friendships. And from those groups, I definitely met a few people that I did develop a closer relationship with. But because of sort of what I went through with Andrea, I feel like I, when I would start getting close to someone, I would sort of push myself away from them in order to protect myself from what I subconsciously believed was the inevitability of them pushing me away. And, you know, it was a protection. It was a way of keeping myself safe. But, you know, where it got me was unfortunately not being able to build a lot of great close friendships since that point. So it's something I'm still working through. And to be honest, I feel really lucky today because I do have a few really close girlfriends. Some of them are newer friends. Um, You know, Allie is one of them that we really bonded over health and wellness and kind of the things that we'd been through with our own stories and struggles. And I, I feel like I've got people right now who have my back. And of course, I have Scott, who is my best friend. And you know, I have my family and and that's okay. And I am at peace with it, but I just kind of wanted to come on and share with you guys that I, I am having a hard time right now with thinking about potentially how I may feel on that day and not feeling like I have this big group around me. And a part of it is like, do I think I should have that? And that's why I'm upset. Or do I just really want this? You know, so just basically kind of working through some of those emotions that are coming up for me around the wedding. And the advice everyone gives me is it's not about that. It's about you and your new husband and your love and celebrating that bond and that union. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But there is a part of me that's like, wow, I really wish that I had, you know, this big group of girlfriends. And um, I know it's something I still have to work through, and I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate if you've had friendships that have ended. It is painful. I think it's more painful than than a you know a serious love relationship. Um, so basically, just wanted to start off the show by sharing that with you guys, and. 
that's what I'm going through, but I am excited about my wedding and it's going to be here sooner than later. And I can't wait to share pictures with you guys and share how it all went. And I am really excited and I'm going to keep working through this stuff and trying to let go of, of what I sort of think that, you know, friendship ending means and knowing that really it just, you know, sometimes it's protection. Sometimes the universe hands us things that are hard and painful and sometimes we have to walk through those in order to get to the other side, which is better. And that opens the doors for better relationships of people that do want to stick around, even if you're going through struggles or depression or health issues. Like, that's really the type of people you want to find, whether that's a partner or a friend or whatever kind of relationship. That's kind of the standard that we need to hold ourselves to. So, hope you guys stuck with me through that story, but just wanted to kind of chit-chat before we got into today's questions, and I am excited to go over this stuff with you guys today. So the first question that we have today is how to deal with belly hate and losing six-pack since it was the main thing you worked so hard for. So just like with relationships that didn't work out, we also fantasize a lot about the time that we feel like we had this perfect body or we were at this lower weight, right? we kind of only remember the good times. So say you're dating someone and you guys are fighting all the time and there's destructive behavior and you're stressed and miserable and walking on eggshells, but then you break up and time goes on and you're single and you miss being with someone. Sometimes you only remember the good times and you really fantasize about that person and the good times that you did have. And I find that we do that a lot with being at a lower weight and that time in our in our lives where we kind of think we had it all together and everyone around me was always celebrating me and congratulating me on how good I looked and asking me about how I did it and you know I was thin and I fit into all my clothes you know we kind of only remember the good times in order to pull yourself out of that mentality where you're really fantasizing and really just continuing to believe that that's the only way that you can be happy, you have to acknowledge the reality of the situation. So you may have had a six pack and a flat stomach, but were you happy? And from that question, we then have to dig into it even more and we have to get more detailed about that happiness and really unpack that. So often at our lowest weight or when we feel like we've reached our body goals, we're restricting. We're always thinking about food. Maybe we're obsessed with exercise. Maybe we're canceling plans to work out. We're not going out to eat. We're not socializing because we don't want to eat too much or eat in front of other people. Or we don't want to go out to eat because we feel like we don't then have control over what we're eating or what we're drinking. Or we don't want to drink because that's too many calories or that's too much sugar. Or we don't go on dates because, again, the food situation or we need to exercise or... We don't want that person to see us eating or judge us for what we're choosing off the menu. Or we don't go on trips because will there be a treadmill in the gym? Will I be able to go on a run outside? Will I have workout equipment? Like, will I overindulge too much because it's vacation and then beat myself up? Basically, from that list, (laughs) that's being miserable. That's not happy, you know? Or to be in that certain weight or to have those abs, you're probably always going to be on a diet. And you're never really going to give yourself a chance to feel calm and balanced around food because you're always so concerned about not gaining weight back 
and not sacrificing this perfect physique. So again, that's where there's not this room for dates and trips and just more flexibility and freedom in your lifestyle. It's so regimented and it's so strict. And I don't know about you, but that totally makes you feel trapped, right? And imprisoned and living a lifestyle of yeses and nos and should and shouldn'ts and good or bad. So from this, I would ask you, you, you know, I would say, do you, you decide, is it worth it for you to go back there? Is it worth it to you to restrict yourself for the rest of your life and be a slave to the gym and compromise relationships and compromise your own mental well-being, your sanity, right? If you can truly say no, you know, and, and that no can also coexist with fear and anxiety and strain and angst, like that can coexist. But if you can truly say no and you can believe in that no, you can not only deal with how you're feeling right now, you can move forward from it. What it is all about is switching your perspective from hating this belly and hating no longer having abs to being appreciative of what that means. So that whole list that I gave you about restriction and not going out and not traveling and being a slave to the gym, you get that stuff back. You get all those things that make you can make you happy back. And on a health level, what about losing your period? There's so many women when they get that lean and they have that little body fat, which is necessary to show abs, they lose their period. They lose their cycle. So with a softer belly now and less abs and maybe a little bit of weight gain, does that mean that you got your period back? Because that's a really big deal. Or when you get that lean, sometimes your thyroid becomes really underactive and you're always cold and your hair falls out and you're irritable and you're moody and you're depressed. I mean, now that you've gained weight back and you're nourishing yourself on a deeper level and maybe you're cutting back on exercise and your mentality is starting to improve, you're just not punishing yourself and being as hard on yourself, isn't isn't that worth it maybe? Can you see that maybe the belly fat and you know, not, no longer having abs, no longer having this perfectly flat, rock-hard stomach, does that mean you're happier and your body temperature is balanced out and your hair is healthier and growing in and maybe your skin is brighter and clearer and you look more vibrant and glowing? I mean, those things are definitely worth it, right? So, you know, it's really about creating more room for so many other things in your life and with that room and that new way of looking at things, you just have to ask yourself, do you want to give that up? Do you really want to go back to having the perfect body that you thought made you happy but didn't really make you happy? Because I think what you have now makes you feel a lot better. From a tangible tip side, one thing you can start doing is practice celebrating the things that you like. So if it's not aesthetic yet, what about just who you are? the type of friend you are, the type of sister you are, if you're a mom, if you're a career woman, if you're all of those things, if you're even a kind stranger, you're someone who says thank you or opens the door for some, for, you know, someone when they, they walk through the door, you know, it's acknowledging these things and building yourself up because so often we place the perfect body on this pedestal of the only way that we can achieve happiness and joy and celebrate ourselves. 
and it's just simply not true. But you have to get really crystal clear and really confident on what those things are that you actually do celebrate yourself for because you're just not letting yourself realize those things because it's blinded by by the stomach. It's blinded by the belly. It's blinded by the six pack, right? So you have to sort of push through that stuff and start seeing the things that you do like. And after you do that, I would encourage you to start looking at some aesthetic things that you do like. And, you know, again, that can start small. Maybe it's your eyelashes. Maybe it's your earlobes. Maybe it's your ankles. And then maybe it's your butt or your boobs or your lips or your face, right? Once you start doing this, you guys, it becomes a lot easier. Once you open the door and give yourself the chance to start liking yourself, and I want to be clear about that, you don't have to love yourself but can you like yourself? I talked about in a post once about wooing yourself. So think about when you start dating someone, you're getting to know them, you're flirting with them, you're picking out the things that you like, you're laughing, you're enjoying your time with them. Can you kind of do that with yourself? Can you do that with your body? The other thing is too, like telling your body that you're sorry. You're sorry for the way that you treated it and asking it if it would be your friend again. You know, getting on your body's side. If you really want to make peace with food, you guys, and make peace with your body, you got to get on your body's side. You have been fighting your body and beating up on your body and hating your body and punishing yourself for so long that you don't even know what it's like to work hand in hand with your body and to trust that it wants to work with you. That's all it wants. It wants you to be kinder and more compassionate and more forgiving. So we really have to surrender to this stuff too and just Try to get out of this cycle of just this self-hatred and thinking that we need to be perfect because we don't need to be perfect. Being imperfect is way, way more interesting. Um, It's sustainable. It's a better way to walk through life. We just have to get so clear about this stuff, you guys. The other thing is it is so normal to have fat on our stomachs. Like I was saying a lot of the time, that extra little bit of softness can represent you having a period or you being more fertile or just overall health in general, you know, fat is not this thing that we have to get rid of. So again, it's reframing your belief around what that extra weight or a softer belly means and understanding the reality of the situation that it's not bad. It doesn't make you any less beautiful or worthy or lovable, right? And often too, it can symbolize something so much better. Maybe that's you wanting to get pregnant or you wanting to get your period back or Just it symbolizes, again, you letting go of this fight um, and being so hard on your body and getting more freedom back in your lifestyle. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is focusing on how you feel instead of the way that your stomach looks. The more you focus on your stomach, the more you're going to drive yourself nuts trying to change it. So like I said, we have to surrender to the idea that you don't have to change it and that having a little bit of softness and not having a six pack is perfectly acceptable and trusting the fact that things will balance out. And the more that you continue to work on this mentality, the easier it's going to get. And I promise you guys, because this is what I saw in my own journey, once I started just trying to practice more self-love and more compassion, I just felt my whole body really relax and... I started appreciating myself and I started liking myself and it really just is possible. I truly believe that no matter where you're at. The next question is, how do you navigate wanting to heal from disordered eating, but actually needing to lose 10 to 20 pounds to feel comfortable in your clothes, skin, etc.? 
So I may talk about a few of the same things that I've already touched on, but first things first, I would want to combat the idea that you need to lose weight. And even more specifically, that amount of weight in order to feel comfortable in clothes and comfortable in your skin. By telling yourself that's the only way to feel comfortable and confident, you will continue to put weight loss and only weight loss on this pedestal, which will feed and fuel disordered eating. What happens is it inherently blocks the idea that you can feel comfortable in the body you're currently in, which you can. Is it easy? Is it your first choice? Can it happen overnight? No, but it can happen. And you have to give yourself the opportunity to explore that possibility, to feel comfortable and good about yourself in the body you're in now. So I just recently did a post about weight loss because I know it's kind of this taboo topic, especially in the intuitive eating or the food freedom world. And I thought it was important that I sort of shared with you guys my perspective. I am not anti-weight loss. In fact, some of my clients that I work with on intuitive eating and making peace with food and working on their body image do lose weight while working with me. But the disclaimer and the caveat here is if their bodies need to, because by the way, I also help clients gain weight if they need to. And it's also with the caveat of their body feeling safe enough to lose weight. But it is never the focus of our time together. It's truly a byproduct of letting go of the rules and the rigidity and really focusing on lifestyle and focusing on mindset. It's kind of like, oh, this happened and I'm happy about it. But Chelsea, the other changes we made, those are the things I feel the most proud of and are most life-changing. And that's where I know that that change is permanent change because you can lose weight. You can work with someone and you can count your macros, you can track your calories, you can eat less, move more, or whatever kind of thing maybe another coach puts you on. But is that permanent change? Is that working on your mindset? Is that working on your lifestyle? Is that working on you making peace with food in your body? Probably not. So again, you really have to gauge what you truly, really want. And that's why when I start off with a client, we put together what I call the powerhouse why, which is the ultimate inspiration and motivation to getting where you want to be. And a lot of the times we think it's weight loss, we think it's changing our body, but it's really not. And like I mentioned in the first question, is getting to that perfect body and losing weight, is that worth it? Is it worth sacrificing you feeling good about yourself, you having a peaceful, calm, balanced relationship with food in your body? So it's really important to get super clear on this stuff too. I also wanted to mention to you guys, when I was the most disordered, so when I was restricting the hardest, I was actually the heaviest I had ever been. And this is partly because the cycle that I was in was constantly dieting, um, you know, always trying to eat less and then binging, and then punishing my body to get rid of the food that I took in while binging. And it was just this really long cycle of stress, right? It's on the wagon, off the wagon, it's punishment, it's hating, it's beating up on. And my body just totally didn't trust me. And because it didn't trust me, and it was so fearful of me restricting again, and putting my body into survival mode, 
and forcing my body to eat a certain way and and messing with all my hormones, right? It actually held on to weight. Once I got more balanced and I stopped dieting, my body actually got to a happy weight. Now, with this happy weight, could I still lose weight? Like, do I have a perfect body? No. Am I a size two or even four? <laughs> no, I'm, I, I mean, my, I don't know, sizes are different and, and I don't want to tell you guys my size because then you're like comparing yourself to me. But yeah, I could probably have a flatter stomach. I could probably have smaller thighs. I could probably have smaller arms. Sure. But to get there, I have to be more restrictive and I have to sacrifice my mental well-being. And honestly, I won't ever go back to that because I'm so much happier now and I have such a fuller life and I feel so much more balanced and I can go out to eat and I can go on trips. And this extra little bit of weight that's on me now, I'm at peace with it because that extra weight means, you know, more quality of life and a happier lifestyle. I also don't weigh myself. So I don't measure my worth in that way. And that's a really big step for you to take if you want to find more peace with your body, especially while you're trying to heal from disordered eating, because when you stop weighing yourself, especially daily, which I know so many people are are doing, you remove that trigger and you remove this constant monitoring of if you're doing good, good enough or not. So for you, I'm really curious what would happen if you didn't weigh yourself for a while. Like, why do you know that you need to lose specifically 10 to 20 pounds? Did someone tell you that? Are you telling yourself that? Are you trying to get back to a goal weight that you had years ago? Like, where does that number even come from? Because if you didn't have that number and you didn't have that constant statistic each day staring your face from the scale, then maybe you'd again start to have more room to actually feel comfortable in your body. Because if you're saying, well, because I'm this weight, I'm not comfortable. Well, what if you just didn't know exactly what weight you were? So a big part of this is removing the triggers that keep you stuck and also removing your main priority being weight loss. So I'm willing to bet that things will really balance out for you by just simply not knowing your weight on such a meticulous level. Again, you've probably just really never given yourself this chance. And a lot of people are in this boat. A lot of people are out there. Okay, the issue is that a lot of people are out there marketing that you can be on a weight loss journey and break free from disordered eating and find self-love all at the same time. You guys, it doesn't work like that. And honestly, if I was this person on Instagram that came on and said, I help people with diet freedom and self-love and body love, and I also help you lose weight, I'm pretty sure I'd be getting a lot more clients. But I'm not going to do that because I don't believe in that, you know, and that would be false marketing and that would go against everything that I believe and that wouldn't feel good and that's just so not my vibe. So... The way it works is that we have to make peace with food in our bodies first. And I know that's not sexy and I know that's not fun and I know that's like more of the emotional mindset work, but we truly have to do that first. And we have to take the necessity for weight loss off the table. Tangible things that you can do is, again, focusing on how you want to feel. So maybe there's other things that feel out of balance for you. 
besides weight. So maybe it's things like cravings or brain fog or inflammation, aches and pains. Maybe it's headaches. Your stress, stress, blah, blah, blah. Your stress level is off the charts. Maybe your sleep is totally out of balance. Do you need to take more time for yourself? So here's where you can start targeting those things and feel like you're making some progress and changes while you're working through the mindset, you're working through your relationship with your body, with your weight, with food, and it gives you something to kind of hang on to while some of that progress is a little bit slower. So some things that I work on with clients, like, yes, I work on mindset with everyone, but, you know, maybe other things that I'll work on with someone are balancing blood sugar, focusing on quality over quantity, helping them get better sleep, helping them do more restorative workouts versus high-intensity workouts that could be triggering, you know, out-of-whack hormones and things like that or other symptoms, digestive symptoms, all kinds of stuff, right? It's about looking at maybe certain foods that could be triggering these symptoms. And if it's really that you need to lose 10 to 20 pounds for health reasons, working through these things may set your body up to let go of that weight. It may. It's a, you know, it's a different way of looking at things. Because again, if it's not just for aesthetic reasons and it's truly your body needing to, you know, lose that weight and it and it's holding on to that weight for inflammation reasons or because of blood sugar, stress, or sleep, or some other sort of imbalance or health issue that you have, then getting those things um, in back into balance will actually help you potentially lose that weight. But again, it's not coming from a place of restriction or punishment or dieting to do it. Okay, another really tangible thing is buying new clothes. And you guys have heard me probably talk about this before on the show. And I've talked about this with clients, but part of why possibly part of why you're not feeling comfortable in your clothes is because you're putting on pants and tops each morning that are too small. So just like with stepping on the scale and seeing the number and that affecting the way that we feel about our body, it's the same thing with clothes. If you put on something that does not fit you and is too small and is squeezing you and you're sitting down and you feel like your stomach is coming out of your pants or your tops are too tight and all this stuff, right? Of course, you're going to leave more room for you to feel really uncomfortable and hate on yourself and beat yourself up and want to slip back into dieting and disordered eating. So how can we remove that trigger? Hmm. (laughs) We could buy new clothes. (laughs) And again, I know people don't want to do this, but you just have to look at it as what it is and not spin it out of control where that buying of new clothes equates to you like letting go or giving up on yourself or no longer being happy or healthy. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means you're buying new clothes so that, again, you give yourself the chance and opportunity to remove that trigger and see how you feel because maybe you're feeling so bad about your weight because you are hanging on to all these clothes that don't fit you anymore and maybe these are clothes from five years ago and maybe you had a baby or maybe you've gone through stress or trauma Or maybe you just let up on being so strict with food and strict with exercise. And those are all such great things. So letting go of those clothes is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. So again, it's working through these things and looking at them in the reality of the situation. And you don't have to go and 
buy a whole new wardrobe, just start with one or two things. Again, we are doing this to remove that trigger. So try it and see how you feel. Maybe you buy, you know, one or two pairs of pants, a couple shirts, and then you can kind of rotate those. So maybe buy some things that all go together and just start there. Just see if that helps. We're just looking for things that are going to help you because if I were to say to you, you can only be comfortable in your body and comfortable in your skin if you lose 20 pounds, that basically puts your happiness and your confidence and you feeling comfortable on hold. Is that fair? You know, do you really want to wait to be happy till you lose that weight? I don't know about you, but I would rather be happy now. So what sort of things can we do to support you in feeling happier now? And just letting that be what it is. If it is food related, so say you are someone who is emotionally eating and that's why you feel like you've gained weight or you can't lose weight, for example, then we need to work through those emotions so you're not leaning on food. So that's where working with a coach, working with um, a therapist, and I want to give the caveat that it should be a therapist who is specifically trained in disordered eating. Um, That's important. Or a coach like me. Um, You need to work through those emotions so that we can make peace with the, the relationship with food and you're not just sitting around dealing with emotional eating if that's really the factor here with your weight. And then there's other, there's some other things I thought of too. Like, are you someone who is grabbing packaged food a lot or going through the drive-through just because maybe you're super stressed or you just don't have any time to do anything else? So what other logical things could we do there? What could we implement? Could we implement a few hours of meal prep? Could we implement asking a partner or friend or family member for help so that you have more time potentially to grocery shop, to prepare meals, um, even to sit down, right? To sit down and eat instead of rushing and eating in the car, going through the drive-through and eating in the car. What sort of things can you control that could make this situation better? If that's what's going on with you. I don't know that it is. Um, or is it a food quality thing? So are you someone who needs to just like up your nutrient density? Do you need to eat more vegetables? Do you need to eat more like grass-fed, wild meats, poultry, fish? Do you need to focus more on organic? Do you need to um, look at some of those things and just focus more on quality? Because if it's something like that, then those are things that we can work through. And that's where it's about eating well as a form of self-love and self-respect, not punishment or restriction. It's really this bigger why to taking care of yourself. So I just look at all that as self-care. You need more time. You want to honor and work through emotions that may be triggering unhealthy habits around food. Or you just simply need to adjust maybe the quality because, again, you're having headaches. You feel inflamed. You have digestive issues. It's really, again, your approach and your relationship with making those switches, those, those shifts in your life. So, but if you're saying, no, I don't do any of those things. I eat awesome then again, it could just be more from the disordered eating and the ups and downs of that and the stress that causes you to feel physically and mentally and emotionally out of whack. So that's the thing that you need to give your full priority to because your body is never going to lose weight or get to a happy weight or feel balanced or be in a state of homeostasis if you are physically, emotionally, and mentally stressed out because of your relationship with food. So that needs to be what you put on the pedestal, not weight loss. And the last thing for this question is that weight is sometimes protection. There is such a thing as emotional weight. So what are you holding on to? 
what do you need to let go of? What emotions or pain or resentment or anger or mistrust? Is there something there for you? There may not be for you in particular, but maybe someone else listening. Are there some things that you have pushed down and pushed down and pushed down and suppressed? Because think about it, if it's painful for you to talk about those things or it's painful for you to bring those up or work through, then yeah, weight and specifically weight around our stomach may pile on because we are we feel stuck, we feel stagnant and we're we're protecting ourselves from that. So it's looking at those things and that's definitely what I would work with someone on if you feel like you resonate with that part of this answer and address the emotional side of it. I really feel like weight is often this very emotional thing and It's also emotional when we force ourselves so much to lose weight and our body freaks out because it doesn't want to be put back into survival mode because of what I mentioned. You know, when a lot of us have gotten to this goal weight, we are restricting, we're punishing, we're, we're so stressed out, right? We're in constant fight or flight sympathetic state. So it's acknowledging all this stuff, you guys, and I'm just trying to give you a bit of a different perspective of looking at all of it. And I think, you know, you asked me this question, so I think you probably thought you were going to get this type of answer. So I hope that was helpful. Okay. This, this solo episode thing, you guys is like, (laughs) it's easier when Allie can jump in because my throat now is starting to get dry, (laughs) but I hope this is, this is helpful for you guys. I'm having fun. Okay. So my last question is intuitive eating with food intolerances. And then she put in parentheses FODMAPs. So this is such a good question, and oh my gosh, have I been there. So I actually did begin to heal my relationship with food while on healing diets. I was on a candida diet. I was on low FODMAP. For a few months, I avoided 27 food sensitivities. Then I did AIP, all these things. So at the time, I was trying to deal with this mystery symptom of chronic bloating and chronic gut distension. It all started for me in 2014, which strangely is around the same time that I started working on my relationship with food. I went back to school for nutrition, so I started eating like even so much healthier and nutrient dense. Kind of seemed like everything was going to fall into place. However, I had just gone through nine to 10 months of debilitating chronic pain that was so stressful to my central nervous system that I truly believe a dormant infection I had became active in that time, even though things were starting to get better with my mindset and with food and lifestyle and all that stuff. I really believe that your body will sometimes give you things at a time that you can work through them because had it happened a year ago or two years ago, maybe you wouldn't have had the tools or the sanity or the resources to work through that stuff. So kind of connecting the dots and looking back at the timeline of all those symptoms for me, it makes sense. So I didn't know at the time, but it was Lyme and co-infections of Lyme that were causing this gut distension. I don't want to get too much into that. You guys can actually go back. I did a whole episode with my friend Natasha about Lyme disease. Um, I've also talked about it with my friend Alyssa from Spinach for Breakfast. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Lyme and kind of the things that I've been through and my girlfriends have as well, I'll link those in the show notes as well. But basically that's why I started doing all these gut healing diets. And every practitioner I went to did the tests and put me on a different one. And even though I was very vocal with them about my past with disordered eating, they continue to keep me on these healing diets. And that's why I'm so passionate right now about telling you guys, like, if it's not right, 
if it's triggering disordered eating, if it's triggering new disordered eating, if you feel like you have so much fear now around food and you're just not happy, then back up off that healing diet. Like you are in control of your own body and that practitioner may put you on that because that's what they've seen success with clients in the past, but maybe those clients in the past didn't have the issues that you currently have around food in your body and you have to protect yourself. You have to sort of like, same thing with weight loss, it's it's work through your issues with food first before maybe you could jump into something like a healing diet because at the end of the day, healing diets are restrictive. It's ugh, it's a really, really hard topic because there's really not a lot of mm, support or insight around it. It's just like, it is what it is. It's hard and like, yeah, I'll try to give you guys a little bit of help around this topic right now. So for me, when I did um, low FODMAP, and for those of you who don't know what low FODMAP is, it's usually a diet that people are put on for SIBO, which is small intestine bacteria overgrowth. And um, FODMAP stands for fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. It's basically a group of carbohydrates that can potentially feed this overgrowth. And that's what can therefore contribute to fermentation, which can contribute to gas and bloating. So for me, like I said, I didn't get better when I did low FODMAP. So that's what I would want to ask you. First things first is avoiding FODMAPs helping you. And also, are you working with someone on this protocol? Because avoiding FODMAPs does not solve the issue. It can lessen symptoms, like it could potentially lessen your your discomfort, your digestive issues, your bloating, your gas, but it doesn't eradicate the infection so or the overgrowth. So at the same time, while trying something like low FODMAP, I would also make sure you're working with a practitioner who is very wise to SIBO and are you on antibiotics? Are you on herbals? Again, are you looking at a way to eradicate the infection? Because that's really important. That's the most important thing. You cannot do it simply with the diet. So again, I would want to know if that's helping you because that's first things first. A lot of people will just jump into low FODMAP. They're not even working with someone. They're not really even monitoring their symptoms. And then they just feel like, they have to be on this indefinitely. So I want to know what the case is for you. And if all of those things are, are in place, it's helping you, you're working with a practitioner. And at the end of the day, this is something that you have to do in order to make it more intuitive. You just have to get clear on your why. So your why would be you're doing this for your health. Maybe you have bloating, maybe you have gut issues, maybe you have digestive symptoms. You look at it for that and you get really, really clear on that and not as restricting for weight loss or as a diet because there is a really big distinction there. Unfortunately, the mind and the brain doesn't always know the difference between being restrictive for health reasons and being restrictive for weight loss or dieting. So again, that's where you have to like literally crowd your brain with all this information and this bigger why and understand that why behind each choice you make at each meal. If you're feeling any restriction, it's telling yourself in those moments, this is why I'm doing this. This is temporary and taking a few deep breaths and showing yourself so much kindness and compassion for what you have to go through at this period of time in your life. Because like I said, these ways of eating, they are restrictive. But the important thing to remember is that you're only supposed to be doing them for a short period of time. With FODMAPs, it may be during a protocol. With something like food intolerances or AIP, 
the whole idea behind these diets is so you can remove them, give your body a break from potentially untolerated foods and the inflammation that that could be causing, then reintroducing them to see what works for you and what doesn't. So it's actually supposed to all be very methodical and, excuse me, too many of us go on them indefinitely. Like I know so many people who are indefinitely on AIP or indefinitely avoiding their food intolerances. And look, I honestly really get that because, and this is the issue, because those diets are restrictive and because we intertwine them with our symptoms, we get so scared to bring them back in, you know? And especially if you're feeling better, you're so scared to reintroduce something because you don't want to feel bad again. So again, this is where it gets so complicated and working with someone who's really, really wise to this mentality is crucial because staying on something for too long, that can really fuel more disordered eating and you need to do it for a really short period of time, get the information that you need. And then if you move forward from there, like say there's still some intolerances or there's still some FODMAPs, there's still some AIP food, non-AIP foods or whatever, um, or sorry, AIP foods that you are still eating, then again, that's you're doing that for a bigger why. You're doing that so that you have the energy that you need to go work or be a mom or exercise or whatever it may be, right? So it's it's just getting really clear on the distinction there. And, um, you know, focusing also too, yeah, focusing on what you can have versus what you can't. So the good thing about our modern world and so many people being on healing diets is that there's a lot of blogs, there's a lot of recipes, there's a lot of Instagram accounts, there's a lot of cookbooks even with people who specifically share these types of recipes or, you know, motivation or inspiration behind living this lifestyle. Um, So, you know, certainly gather around those people, buy those books, look at those blogs don't get obsessive about it because, again, sometimes I feel like we go zero to 60 and then we're so in that world. Dip your toe in and make sure that you really, yeah, you you maybe you try some new recipes or buy some different types of vegetables or fats or meats or whatever it may be. Like, try to make it a little bit more fun for you. Tell the people around you what you're doing, whether that's a partner or a roommate or your family. Educate them on why you're doing it and Speak about it from a very confident place because when we get self-deprecating or we focus so much on the woe is me and the restrictions, that's when the people around us begin to not support us as much. When you're really confident, you're really clear about what you're doing and why you're doing it and asking maybe even for their support or their help or their encouragement, they're going to be there for you. So don't go into that dark place of like, ugh, I have to avoid all these foods and I know I'm so annoying and frustrating and I know it's hard to go out to eat with me and I know it's hard to cook for me. I've certainly been there too and I feel like that's when my family like kind of rolls their eyes, which sucks, but it's true. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of try to step into those shoes of like, okay, this is the period of time in my life. I'm doing this to either eradicate an infection or lessen my symptoms that do degrade the quality of my life and I'm going to gather the information that I can in this short period of time, and then I'm going to move forward and I'm going to work with someone on my mindset. So the other thing too, last thing, is make sure you are incorporating other intuitive things in your life at this time when intuition around food is not totally possible, again, because you are sticking to a list of eat this, not that. I mean, how it's hard to be totally intuitive, just to be real. But can you be more intuitive about the rest that you need? 
and the time with friends that you need and the self-care that you need and working on your mindset that you need. So maybe really feeding that intuitive part of you in other ways, with your lifestyle, with your mindset, with connection, with hobbies, with different activities, with different ways of moving your body and, and being creative and all these things. So, wow, that was 50 minutes of talking, (laughs) but I did it. So I loved this and I love when you guys ask me questions like this because it's so much easier for me to come on and share about a topic when I have a question instead of just like putting together 50 minutes to an hour on something I just pick out of my own brain. (laughs) Because I want to know what you guys want to learn more about. So I hope this was really helpful. And actually, this is coming out three days after I'm recording it. So the last week of August. And I am taking clients only up until my wedding. And then I will be taking clients till the end of September. So if you guys really liked this conversation and you've been listening to me for a while or maybe you've been reading my posts over on Instagram and you're like, I really do resonate with what she has to say and I do want to break free. I want to work on my relationship with food. I want to work on my relationship with my body. I want to stop feeling controlled and consumed and obsessed and just find so much more freedom and be able to go on and do all the things in my life that I want to do. Then... I will leave a link in the show notes to book a complimentary 30-minute discovery call with me. This gives us a chance to get to know each other better. You can ask questions, and we can really just see if we're the right fit to work together. And I would love to get to know you guys, especially from the nutritionist community, because you guys are super special. So go ahead and follow that link. And if you have any other questions about this topic or anything else, you can email us anytime at nutritionishpodcast at gmail.com. Or head on over to our website and click under the Submit a Question tab. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It means the world to us. And also be sure to subscribe so that a new episode gets downloaded for you every single week. For more from me, Chelsea, head to nutritionwithchelsea.com and follow me over on Instagram at nutritionwithchelsea. For more from Allie, head to barefoodnutrition.com and follow her at barefoodnutrition. And we'll see you guys next week. I think I'll be chatting with you one more time before I get married. Okay. Love you guys so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let me know. Send me a message, post on Instagram. I want to know if this is helpful. Okay. Bye.